Money Sense is brought to you by the Ellenbecker Investment Group, three-time recipient of the Better Business Bureau's Torch Award for Business Ethics and Integrity. The Ellenbecker Investment Group is the only Wisconsin investment company to receive this prestigious award more than once by providing exceptional planning and extraordinary service each and every day. Go to ellenbecker.com. Listen to Money Sun Saturdays at 2 p.m. and Sundays at noon. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. We are located in Pewaukee, just east of Highway 164 and Capitol Drive. We're in that great big, beautiful town bank building. We're also in the village of Whitefish Bay in the Equitable Bank building, which everybody knows is right across from Winkies. We're now able to service our clients also in Bonita Springs, Florida. And if you would like more details, if you'd like to take a look at... um, the employees of EIG and the advisors, and you'd like to get a little look of our building and our offices, you can go to um, ellenbecker.com, and there's more details there. My guest today is Ann Mank, and she is a wealth advisor. She's also a CFP and a CPA, and Ann came up with an idea for today's show of just talking about some of the simple rules of personal finance and some of the things that we often, some of us just do them automatically. Other people don't even know to think about that. We're all so busy and we just work so hard and it's really difficult to save money. And when we start to think about when should you start even considering retirement, you really want to start considering retirement from the day you start saving. And there's lots of different ways that you can do it. And I still remember talking to my daughter, Julie, who is now president of EIG. This is probably 15 years ago. And we did a little challenge in the company to really track everything that we were spending. And because we were talking to our clients about um, cash flow and budgeting, and we thought, well, we should do it, you know, if we're asking them to do it. And at the end of the year, she came and she said, Mom, she said, I think that, you know, someone someone has been stealing from me. <laughs> and I looked at her, and she said, embezzling for sure. And she said, I can't come up with, like, several thousand dollars that are missing <laughs> that she knew that she had spent. But it was really an awakening. I mean, she really got it that those simple quick trips to McDonald's for a soda or or going to pick up a $5 coffee at Starbucks or, you know, just the little things um, get away from you and you really don't know where your money's going. And there's so many great ways that you can um, save a buck. And, mm-hmm. and believe it or not, after many, many years and much time, it really does add up. And so as we were preparing for the show, and said to me, well, Karen, I think it would be really nice if you shared something that you wish you'd have done differently. <laughs> Put I you went, on the spot like that. Right. And I said, oh, wow, thank God she asked me so I could think about it. But there are actually two things that um, I, I look at. One is that I wish when my parents would have taught me about finances. And we never talked about money. In fact, my mother would always say, it's none of your business. And if you want to know about the money, turn off the lights. We don't own the electric company. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, my parents were very, very tight-lipped about finances. And I don't think I ever saw my mother write a check. I don't know when she did it, you know, Mm -hmm. at night. We never talked about anything around money other than things that were sort of in a joking way, you know, eat all your food, there's people starving. And, you know, my dad would say things like, well, someday you're going to go to work and you'll know how hard it is Mm -hmm. to save money. And uh, I wish that there had been more 
more ease in our family and that I would have had more education around positive sides. It always it seems to me when I look back now, everything around money was more negative. And so when I, you know, it's interesting that I got in this profession, but <laughs> it, when I think about it, you know, it was there just it, it was almost as if it didn't exist it did but had no idea and the other thing that i wish that i'd have known or understand better and this actually goes back to when i started as a stockbroker um, almost 30 years 30 years ago with robert w beard was all we ever heard was uh, put your clients in tax deferred they love not paying tax Make sure that they do IRAs, they're tax deferred, and when they retire, they'll pay less because they won't have an income coming in. And really, that's not true because what I find now is that nobody had any idea of how much money would billions and billions of dollars that would be in retirement accounts. And nobody ever said, oh, and by the way, if you save a dollar, Uncle Sam gets part of that dollar. Mm -hmm. It's like, what part does Uncle Sam get? (laughs) I might have been more conscious of saving maybe not as much in there and diversifying. And now I think of the young people, and and you said, oh, if I only knew about Roth IRAs, I I put $25 in, I would have put it all in there. (laughs) And so I, I guess those are the things that inadvertently we really didn't know. And for us, and hopefully not for our listeners, um, it's too late for me to start looking at a Roth, you know, mm-hmm. um, and uh, we didn't have them available as as the younger generation does. So I guess in um, these 60 rules, I don't think we're going to get through all of them, <laughs> but the big one, and, and that's the the most logical is spend less than you earn. And I always relate it to if you want to lose weight, eat less than you need, Mm -hmm. than your body's fuel needs. So talk a little bit about spending less than you earn and how that logically we see it. But interestingly enough, most people don't do it. Right. And I think it all comes down to the fact that we don't know how much we earn. We might know what we're making you know, kind of top line. But after we take out taxes, after we pay for benefits, after we pay for the commute to work, what are we bringing home? What are we earning? And so it is, it's such a simple concept, um, but it really is hard to do in today's day and age. One thing is that everything is electronic. So it's just a number on a piece of paper. And so it's really hard for us to comprehend how much money is going out the door. So sometimes you hear people where they do the envelope method, where they put dollar bills in an envelope and that's all they have to spend for the month. I am not that kind of person. I can't do that. Um, For me, it really is just making sure that you set aside time every single month to say, okay, how much did I bring in? How much did I spend? And looking backwards, that's the easier way to do it than trying to budget yourself going forward. So just taking a look at what you did and see if you're cash flow positive or negative. Uh, Keep things simple. Um, You know, don't make it too complicated because you'll never take a look at it. But one of the things that we're using that really, you know, kind of skews this a little bit is credit cards. And so we use a lot of credit cards these days of just making up that difference. So if we don't have a cash flow that's coming in that's positive, we're putting it on a credit card and 
now all of a sudden we have debt and we have interest and we're leveraging our lifestyle. And so the very first rule of thumb is definitely spend less than you earn. I think, too, on that credit card um, issue, one of the things that I've told my kids when they were going off to college and trying to figure out their budget, and I remember Jeffrey knowing what his budget was and how much money he had in his um, account that he could access through his time machine. And so in his mind, well, I'm just going to take out $2, not realizing every time he took out $2, mm. he was paying $2. Yeah. And he called me and said, they said I'm out of money. How could I be out of money? I only did this. We never <laughs> even thought about Right, the, the cost to taking his own money out. But what I suggested that all three of my kids do is that when they use their credit card, that they write it in their um, bank book, like your checking account mm-hmm. book, so that at the end of the month, they knew how much they actually were going to have on the credit card. And that is, even for me, when I think about it, I get my credit card bill and I go, how could I have spent that? What did I buy? And then yep. I go back and I look, oh, that's right. Yep. Oh, that's right. I did get my nails done and I went out to gr- with the girls for dinner and, oh yeah, we did go shopping. And it's funny how it all adds up, but... Um, that's a, a real important thing is to spend less than you make because there is no way that you can save for your future, and you're either going to you're either going to um, work longer, mm-hmm. or you're going to spend less so that you have and create a company for yourself because ultimately. What I like to think of with our clients is that every single client is a business owner and their retirement account, whatever that looks like, is their company. And everyone that owns a company hopes that they always get a salary and would like to take some bonuses now and then. And so if you treat your portfolio, if you treat your life, like even though you work for someone else and you're helping them grow their company, you need to grow your company. Right, exactly. And pay yourself first. I think that we as a society are really bad at paying ourselves first. And what that means is saving, Mm -hmm. saving for your goals, saving for your um, future needs. And just a really quick rule of thumb on there is in personal finance, there's a 50, 30, 20 rule. 50% of what you make should be on absolute necessities. That's the roof over your head, gas in your car. And then 20% of your income should be on saving. It should be for short-term goals and long-term goals, which would include retirement. If you can fill those two buckets and do that well, that remaining 30%, you can have no guilt spending on that because you know you are filling the two important buckets of your life. So that's just a quick kind of rule of thumb of saying, well, where is my money going and am I putting it to the right buckets, but it's a 50, 30, 20, 50% necessity, 30%, whatever you want, and 20% saving for the future. Which really, which really makes sense. It's so logical, but boy, it's hard to do if you don't know how much money's coming in. Right. Exactly. So you really have to get a handle on the amount of money that, that you actually do have net of all the other expenses mm-hmm. that you had talked about. Um, some of the other ones that you have here is you know, having an emergency fund. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that we talk about at EIG is making sure that you have your umbrella in place. And that's the emergency fund. That's life insurance. If you have children, Mm -hmm. making sure that you have um, disability insurance, making sure that you have an umbrella policy. Um, What are some of the other ones you can think of? I mean, it's, it's the umbrella, the safety first. Yeah, exactly. And what it also does is it gives you the freedom. So we're always talking about financial freedom. If you have that emergency fund in place, 
You might have the freedom to pivot to a new career if you want. You might have the freedom, um, you know, especially it, for me with a child with special needs, to get her that extra therapy that I've always wanted to get her. It gives you the freedom to make the choices you want instead of having those choices made for you. So if you have that emergency fund, three to six to 12 months, depending on your situation, you can make the choices you want to make and not have to worry about losing it all if your plan doesn't go according to what you thought it would. I know one of the things that we used to talk about a lot was budgeting. And so I've thrown that word out. I don't like that word anymore because everybody immediately, you can see them cringe, you know? I even cringe, yeah. (laughs) Budget. And so if we go along with the concept that everybody is is building their own company, which is their retirement, because someday your paycheck will come from there, hopefully. The idea behind that is really understanding your cash flow. So Mm -hmm. you've got 60 things that have been put together here on personal finance, and I know that I have more than 60 things that I look at every month in terms of my business. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking at how much paper was used in the copy machine, and (laughs) we're always looking at ways to be aware Mm -hmm. of where money is going, not necessarily to change it, because you can't grow and you can't do things. So people buy bigger houses, and all of a sudden kids go to school, and they have special needs and more mm-hmm. things come up but it's like do you really know where your money is i mean do you are you your best chief financial advisor mm-hmm. telling you here's where your money went this month and then making choices around it because i don't think a budget budgeting has such a negative connotation mm-hmm. to it but if you're thinking about your world your world and your own company that you're building makes sense to know where your cash flow is. Right. And and um, 50% of all businesses fail in the first year of a startup because of cash flow. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to be one of those people whose failure, and it's not your business fails, it's that your retirement will fail. Right, right. And that's not where you want a failure. No, no, absolutely not. It says um, cut the fat from every single one of your bills. Yeah. So that the one way to do that is actually pay attention to your bills. Have you ever looked at what you're really paying for on your cell phone bill? How about your cable? Your cable bill, right? <laughs> Game of that Thrones is done. Me. So why have HBO anymore, you know? <laughs> so take a look at what you really use. Um and see if there's anything you can you can cut. Do you really need as many minutes on your cell phone bill as you're paying for? Um you know, when you're on your grocery run. Are you really getting what you need or are you starting to throw things in your bucket because you're hungry when you go grocery shopping? Or it's great packaging. Oh yeah, (laughs) that's pretty. Let me try that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So there's always something. If you just pay attention to every single receipt that you get, I'm sure on 80% of that, there's something on there that you either didn't need to get or you can negotiate. So Mm -hmm. don't be afraid to negotiate some of these bills as well. I think that uh, this new, and I'm curious to see how it turns out, but now that people can order online and have pick up your food and deliver, I've talked to several of my girlfriends, their food bills are much lower Mm -hmm. because they're not walking through the store and seeing all the red light specials and all the the things that are out. I'm I'm a dead one if I go by and they say, sample this, and I like it, and I buy it, and then I put it in the freezer, and it's like, why did I buy that? Because <laughs> yep. I was hungry yep. and it tasted good and I'm mm-hmm. thinking I would make it. But uh, I'm, I'm guessing that um, people who do grocery lists as well yep. do far better if they stick to the grocery list. And I know um, I have one girlfriend that always sends her husband because he won't buy anything other than what she puts on the list. <laughs> so it, 
It's that's a way another of way of doing it. Yeah, have so your husband do the grocery shopping. I notice that my bill goes down when my <laughs> husband goes. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, that really is good. Just just pre planning for things really helps cut a lot of costs. Um, I know for me that um, I don't like the details when I'm at home. Um, because I do so much detail work at work, but I know if I sit down on Sunday and I plan out the meal and I plan out the grocery list, that it saves us a lot of money because I'm not running on a Tuesday and time. night. time. Time is money. Right. I'm Exactly. So I'm not running on a Tuesday night picking up, you know, whatever I can find because it's quick and easy. I have things planned a out. roasted chicken. Right. <laughs> A whole chicken, yeah. A whole chicken. Those are and it's so just easy. Me. <laughs> yeah, but it, it does save time. It does save money because everything is planned out, and it's not that emergency of, I just need this now. Mm-hmm. You've had it planned out, and, and that has drastically reduced a lot of our household um, expenses and because of that. And probably the quality of food. Oh, yeah. It's much better now because we're planning it ourselves and preparing it ourselves. Yep. My guest today is Ann Mink. She is a wealth advisor for the Ellen Becker Investment Group. She's also a CFP and a CPA, and we are talking about some simple rules of personal finance. And it is amazing. I, I don't remember what the – there was a joke or a study done. Um, somebody saved a penny every day for mm. their whole life and what that what it added up to at the end of, you know, the end of – their life or whatever it was but it's really those baby steps people can get overwhelmed by the idea of cutting back or getting getting connected I say it's getting connected and for me a lot of times it's like going to the mall for the first time and you see the sign that says you are here understanding where you are and then you know once you know where you are it's much easier to determine if you're in the mall, I want to go that direction to that store mm-hmm. or that way. And you're not walking around aimlessly and wasting time. And a lot of times people waste opportunities because they just don't know some of these simple mm-hmm. steps. So we're going to take a, a break. And when we come back, let's take a look at some more um, simple ideas that you might be able to use to grow wealth. With that, we'll be right back. a wealth advisor for Ellen Becker Investment Group, and we're talking about some of the simple things that you can do in your life to build your own personal company that at some point you're going to just turn around to your CFO. And for our clients, we are the CFOs of their company, and they look to us to build and manage their company because at one point they're going to quit working, and they're going to come and say, I'd like to start taking a paycheck. And oh, by the way, I'd also like a few bonuses along the way. And the only way you can do that is if you have accumulated wealth and it everybody's need for the accumulation of wealth is different depending on what you spend so you need to know what your cash flow is going to be but truly if you just start thinking about your your own building and what you're doing you're building your wealth and you can look at it in terms of a company because all these things that Ann is talking about and we're talking about today are things that as owning a company I really look at all the time and so it really does fit well with thinking about your own company and one of the things that I know that I don't do, and I'm great that I have a team here, is that they're always checking out different costs. They just don't go and buy from one supplier. And then if we're being able to order a quantity or we're ordering over time, very often we can negotiate. 
Right. And it's also when you're looking at it, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a big rewards person. So my mom taught me from an early age to coupon and make sure you always get a sale. Like she'd come home and she's famous for telling me the sales that she has when she goes shopping. Um, so she kind of ingrained that to me, but it's a really good, um, tool and philosophy to have is when you are buying things, make sure that you are getting a fair price for it. Make sure you're doing your research, whether that's getting a car or getting the next TV, but make sure that you know the quality of it. Make sure that you know what you're paying for it and that it really is a good value. And there's so many apps these days that you could easily price check. And what the repairs are going to be. That's the thing oh, that's yeah. always shot me. Oh, I love everything. And then it's like I go to get something fixed and it's like, oh my goodness. Right, right. <laughs> or it's not even fixable. It's right. something where you thought you might be able to have it fixed or it might last a long time. And once it's done, it's done. And so it's it's wasted. So making sure that you do kind of do your research when you're looking and you're buying things. And that's the same thing with your investments as well. Um, when you're in buying investments, are you listening to, you know, the person next to you at the soccer game? Or are you really looking to somebody who has researched this and has years of experience, has taken the, um, the test so that they are held to a higher standard? Um, because we see so many things on TV these days of – Worst case scenario, you know, the market is going, you know, the worst it's ever been. But when you look back historically, we've always had these ups and downs. Mm -hmm. And so it's making sure that you understand what you've bought and make sure that you understand the fees associated with what you bought as well. And then also the game plan, you Mm -hmm. know, based on what we're seeing in the economics and the forecasts. Does what you're holding make sense for you and your goals and what we're seeing in the industry? Because there's a lot of people out there who want to give you an opinion, and they really have no skin in the game. Right. And I think uh, many times of clients who buy things and they don't absolutely understand them at all. Mm -hmm. And you're right. If the market corrects and when it corrects, and it's actually good that it corrects because a lot of times with people that have money that they can invest, that's Mm -hmm. a great time to get into the market. But if you don't own quality and it goes down, you can buy more of it. What difference does it make? Right. And and every good stock, just because it's a great stock, doesn't mean you should own it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's got to fit for you and for your goals. And, um, you know, we saw that back in the early 2000s where there was a lot of new industries. The dot-com was going up. And, you know, if you weren't listening to the right advice, you might have paid for it then down the road. One of the other things that I think is really important, and it's often one of the largest investments, is people's homes. Mm -hmm. And really understanding all your options and checking them out to see, should you put more down? How much should you put down? How much is the interest rate? Should you have a home equity line of credit? There are so many things. Should you rent? Should you Mm -hmm. own? And we're seeing in our business here that a lot of people, particularly as they downsize, are renting. Because it really makes sense right now. But it doesn't always make sense. And it depends on the interest rate. So I think that in in determining, remember, just like nobody ever told us that we had to pay um, tax on those IRAs, the more... The larger your IRA, the more tax you pay, of course. And at age 70 and a half, you're forced to take it out mm-hmm. and pay tax. So that was a big surprise. But the other thing is at homes, nobody ever tells you when you buy a house that you can't eat your house. Right. 
Right. And that's a lot of money that you're putting into something that it's it's hard to get that money out. So if there is that emergency, once again, that's where that emergency fund comes into play. But especially with the house, you had mentioned before, there wasn't much conversation about money. There's not there, that conversation is still not happening when it comes to owning a house, too. Mm-hmm. It's the American dream. You, you know, go to college, get married and you have this house well, and pay it off and pay it off. Yes. Right. Right. And let's pay it off as fast as we can. Well, Depending on your goals and, you know, how liquid your cash is and how liquid your investments are, maybe paying more into your house doesn't make sense. Maybe it absolutely does. But having that conversation, understanding what it means to pay into a house and then also having an end game for your house. Mm-hmm. So a lot, I see a lot of individuals who say, okay, I'm going to buy this house and I'm going to live in it forever. Well, that does not happen anymore. Rarely. Right. So we are either moving from one house to another, we're or we're going downsizing, or we're moving to a condo or renting. Everyone is changing. It's no longer where we buy a house and we live in it mm-hmm. for 80 years. And even if we do that, how do we keep that home up all along? I mean, there's still maintenance costs that you might not anticipate when owning a home. And so when my husband and I were looking for a house, we really wanted to buy our first house knowing that one of us could afford it. So if one of our jobs went away, we could still afford this house and not have to worry about losing it. And so really, when you're going into the home, it's a huge investment. It's a huge commitment and responsibility. And it's not just the price of the home, but it's also the maintenance and the upkeep as well. And in addition to that, as you age, and if you do want to stay in your home, so let's say you've saved four or $500,000, you've got liquid between IRAs and other investments, and now you've got three or 400000 in your house, you can't eat your house. Your house is paid for. And the only way that you can spend it is either to borrow out of it, which rarely makes sense, or you have to sell it. Mm-hmm. So what, what, when you say, what do you want to do with your house? Well, in that situation, the only thing you're going to do with it is pass it to your kids. Or your mm-hmm. beneficiaries. Now, if you take that four hundred thousand and add it to the other money you have, your lifestyle has just been doubled in terms of what yep. you can do. Right. And so, and years ago, I think when people were saying that pay off the house, interest rates were seventeen percent. Now the interest rates are the as low as they are. And if you really do know what you own in your investment portfolio, it's easy to say, "Oh, I'm making seven percent here, and I'm paying three percent here. Mm-hmm. I I'm not going to pay extra on that, and I right. don't need to pay it off. Mm-hmm. Yep. And maybe I won't." You know, a lot of times people will sell a house and downsize and pay cash, and now all of a sudden, a lot of their cash is gone, and they're living on Social Security. And maybe a small pension or not. And this money is just sitting in the house. Mm-hmm. But their kids will love it. Right. And guess what? They will spend <laughs> Thanks, it. Thanks, Mom and Dad. <laughs> yeah, and they will spend it. So the house is a really big investment, and it's something to really to really think about. Um, you have another thing here that I think is cute. Don't worry about how other people spend their money. And don't worry <laughs> about what other people think. And that is so hard to do in today's society. Uh, we are always looking at what vacations. I mean, over spring break, if you look through your Facebook feed, every family now is they're hopping on a plane and going somewhere. And so it really is taking that step back and saying, what do you value? What are your goals? And, you know, where are you going to put your money? And, and don't worry about what other people are doing because you don't know their story. They might have credit card debt and house debt and leveraging and college debts that they, can know, they can't afford. Mm-hmm. You don't know what that backstory is. So pay attention to yourself and what your goals are. Make sure that your 
money and your financial health is as healthy as it can be, because it's really not worth going into debt just to impress somebody else. Mm -hmm. Because you know what? They're not paying attention to you. They're paying attention to themselves and what everybody's thinking about them, you know, their situation. So it's money is a weird thing because it really is emotional. Where we we put so many emotions and tie so many things into it, and really it's just an exchange of energy or exchange of work, and so just make sure that what you're spending your money on, um, you know what that really means to you. And one of the other things that are on here is just understanding what your true hourly wage is, and so what that means is saying, okay, I, I make X amount. You take out taxes, you take out benefits, but then also take out your commute. Also take out how much it costs for daycare if you have kids. Also take out if you need a certain uniform or you have to pay dues in order to have that job. And then really that's your hourly wage. If that comes down to $10 an hour, now when you get your $5 Starbucks, is it really worth half of an hour for you to get that Starbucks? Mm -hmm. So really understanding how much money you're bringing in and then you can pass that value on to what you're what you're doing. Because at the end of the day, it really is about the relationships and you spending time with your family. It's not about having, you know, that new watch or having that, you know, third car that you see a neighbor have. That's really not what matters at the end of the day. Well, and I think also for um, individuals as their careers um, accelerate and as they advance, you know, they're looking at it and saying, oh, I really don't have to look at the grocery bill. And, mm -hmm. you know, I get gas and I do this different things like this. The thing that I would say that makes it really easier is always save a percentage of your paycheck because then you're always saving a percentage of more. Mm -hmm. If you start by saying, I'm going to save $5 a week or whatever it is in the very beginning, if you start to relate to percentages, then even when you get those bonuses and even as your career accelerates, you're still saving more. And we're going to take a quick break, but um, the one thing that I wanted to just tell a really quick story on houses, and I think that it's, um, it's something that never occurred to me, but I had a client probably about eight years ago, and they bought this absolutely gorgeous piece of property on a lake and um, they ripped on the house and they were going to um, build this beautiful dream house and there was a carriage house in back which was actually um, it, it had a kitchen but it was just like this little carriage house they had two kids it was four of them and so they moved in there during the time that they were building the house, they never moved out of there. <laughs> and the reason they didn't move out of there is that they realized that when they get in the big house, everybody scatters yep. and goes to a different place in the house. Couldn't, And now he said, I can hear my daughter's telephone conversation. <laughs> right, right. And, and, and now all of a sudden it's close. We're all eating popcorn and playing a game yep. and we're all talking. He said it was so delightful to be in this smaller space he said, we never moved into the big house. Oh, that's awesome. And they actually ended up selling it, realizing that the bigger wasn't better. No. no. Bigger wasn't better. Yeah. And one of the most wonderful times I can remember with my kids, I loved it, was when we were in the car because they were captive audiences. Mm -hmm. And now everybody's got a car going somewhere. And... Um, Mia's just going to start driving. She turns 16 this week. And, you know, Julie's like, oh, but I like being in the car driving yeah. her. She keeps saying, I can't wait to drive to my volleyball. Then Julie's going, well, I like going to the volleyball. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so things change. So yeah. bigger is not always better. And we're yeah. going to take a break. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen 
Becker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellen Becker Investment Group. My guest today is Ann Mank, and she is also a wealth advisor with the Ellen Becker Investment Group. And you can go to ellenbecker.com, and my picture's there, Ann's picture's there, all of our advisors are. And you can get to know Ann and anyone else in our company, actually, before you call up and make that appointment to come in to um, take a look at where you are. And really, one of the first things that we do here is we do sit down with you and we try to get an idea of where you're at. Because it's hard to know how to help you to get where you want to go if we don't know where you are at. And um, Ann and I, over the break, were talking about food. And one of the biggest um, expenses when we look at cash flow with individuals often is eating out, eating out, fast food, dining. Um, We've gotten so busy that cooking at home and what you talked about preparing meals on Mm -hmm. Sunday nights for the week, which is really a a good cost saver, but also health. um, There are things that can be done. So what are some of the things that you look at, Anne? Well, I, you know, your point of going out, I, you know, we look at a lot of individuals' cash flows. And so we usually have them put this Excel spreadsheet together for us that shows them where that money is going. And if you want a copy of it, feel free to reach out to us and we are happy to give you that spreadsheet. But what it shows is that we are busy and we are spending a lot of money on food. And when you think about it, you know, the whole premise of personal finance is keeping it simple and you know, really just doing those things that you can take quick, easy action on. And what is one thing we do every day? And that's eat. And so that is one place that if you ever just want to focus somewhere and just start, food is definitely the place to do it. And it's take a look around and see what you're throwing away or see what expires in your house. Those would be good ideas of saying, okay, no, I'm not going to buy that next time. Um, Maybe it's like you're saying in a break, I think (laughs) you go and you have the free sample and then you buy it and then it sits in your freezer (laughs) for months and months. So what are those things that, you know, just personally that you know that you do and just be aware of it. Uh, You know, really go to, once again, looking at what you're buying, trying to find a low cost, maybe cutting back on some of those vices because Mm -hmm. those tend to be the most expensive that's going out to drink. And, you know, we're not saying that people can't go out to drink, but maybe let's have a barbecue in somebody's backyard and people bring their own beverages mm-hmm. versus going to a bar or someplace where you're paying 12 bucks yes. for this little thing of beer. It's, you know, just being conscious about where you're, you're spending your food. And then when you do go out and eat, make sure it's a special occasion. I know when I was growing up, we didn't go to restaurants all the time unless it was something special. Mm-hmm. If we had our grades come in or if we did something good in school or if we we're celebrating somebody's birthday, that's when we went to a restaurant. It wasn't, hey, it's Tuesday, let's go here. Hey, it's Wednesday, let's go here. And we never could drive through a restaurant and pick up fast food because they didn't have them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fast food in our house was called leftovers. Right, right. <laughs> TV dinner time, you know. That's right. And, you know, and it brings up another thing. I saw something the other day that just really surprised me. And, you know, I love French fries and ketchup. And, well, first of all, when you look at some of the French fries, they're flash frozen in sugar water, and then they put salt on them, which is a killer to begin with. And then they, I was looking at ketchup. Almost, almost half, not quite, of ketchup is sugar. That's just, that's crazy. And I so mean, that's what you're, you're paying for is sugar. So it's like know what you're eating. And the other thing that we talk about at EIG all the time, just in general, is that we're always, all these things that we're talking about, 
it goes back to my childhood where we talked about nothing. These are all wonderful role modelings. Your mm-hmm. kids watch everything you do. And so when we have our uh, our clients come in and they say, I cannot believe my kids can't save money. They blow money like water. I always thought that when they got older and had their own family, their spending habits would change. No, they're doing it the way you they either saw you model mm-hmm. Or they didn't know. They, they're they just habitually yep. living a lifestyle. And then they, my clients worry about, well, how can I pass money down? I mean, will they be able to manage it? So there is a real paper trail here mm-hmm. of how you make choices, how you make decisions, what you set as priorities as to what your children potentially will. And so if you're out of control, they're probably going to be out of control. Right. Right. And it's something, you know, quick and easy to to change is one of the things that I know um, some parents are really trying to teach their kids is it's kind of that concept of tax deferred. If they get money, they need to learn that part of it's going to go to savings, part of it is going to be taxed down the road. And so there's this really cool uh, three jar thing that you can do with your fan with your kids. One is save, one is donate, and one is spend. So it really gets them the idea of saying, hey, if I get $3, I don't get all $3. It's going to go to a couple of mm-hmm. different buckets, and this is how you do it. My guest today is Ann Mank. She is a financial advisor with the Ellen Becker Investment Group. If you'd like to receive that free um, Excel spreadsheet on cash flow, you can call us at 262-691-3200, and we will be right back with some more interesting facts. for the Ellen Becker Investment Group. If you are enjoying this and would like to share this with somebody, please go to ellenbecker.com in about a week or so. This interview will be on our radio show, so you go to ellenbecker.com, hit on radio shows. You'll see Money Sense, and you can click on that. You will also see... um, the um, Ellen Becker Investment Philanthropic Community radio show, which is on Sundays from 10 to 11. There we interview um, all kinds of different charities. And so we do talk about money, and there is nothing more exhilarating than when you can give money to help somebody else. So that's a really belief. And I just wanted to um, talk about one other thing before my guest, Ann Mank, who is also an advisor with Ellen Becker Investment Group, is that one of the most expensive things, and I, I'm working so much with retired and aging out, I call, um, clients, is health care. And so all these things that Ann has been sharing with you today, there is nothing more important than taking care of your health also because we see the cost of health care really impacting people's portfolios. They think about returns. We think about, of course, of cost of living, but really health care and all the savings you do and all the work you do, if you're not here to enjoy it, and if all of a sudden when you're retired you can't walk or you have difficulties or um, and we see so many people actually die shortly after retirement. Mm-hmm. And so we are very big advocates both for our own company, for our families, and for our community to really understand the importance of staying healthy and exercising, money well spent. Right. Money well spent. Right. And it, and it doesn't have to cost much. I mean, you can go outside, take a walk. You can make that choice between having an apple or having french fries with ketchup. And so a lot of times when it comes to that, 
it's not even a money thing. It's more of just making right choices so that you can live and enjoy your retirement down the road. And really, um, you know, it's, it's just good maintenance on yourself, more or less. It's, are you eating the right things? Are you exercising? Are you getting enough sleep? Um, and it really is, you know, you think about your car and you take your car in and you have to make sure that the oil's changed and you have the right gas in it. It's very similar to yourself and to your retirement. So you don't want the car to break. So no. you, do, you do maintenance on it. Right. You want so it to it last as long as possible. So it doesn't break. Right. And you want to do maintenance on your life and your portfolio so that when you get to retirement, you're not broke. Right, right. <laughs> that you've been in the right investments all the time to make sure that your retirement runs well. You've got your estate planning done. Yep. You're looking at everything. And the other thing, Anne, that I think is really important too is communication. One of the things is understanding the language that your partner speaks. Yeah. And I'll never forget, this was really a long time ago, <laughs> but I had two people come in and the husband, and they were, they were, they were curt with each other. And he said, you've got to save more money. You spend too much. And she said, I saved you $25. And he said, using a, using a discount certificate is not saving money. <laughs> right. <laughs> and he wanted her to save money. Yeah. And she, in her mind, was saving money because she was saving by using all the coupons. Right. And, and she couldn't relate to his idea of saving. Yep. And he could not relate to that. Yeah. They both had a different dance around mm-hmm. money and taking the courage to talk to your children so that you can model them about talking about money and also talking to your spouse so that you have the same dance or you have the same verbiage or you have the same goals um, or the same hesitancies yeah. or the same regrets, but talk about it. Communication, right. communication, communication. <laughs> that is an excellent point. And, and, you know, really not something that we do and we shouldn't be afraid to do it. So especially with my kids, I let them know how much things cost. I don't try to hide things from them. They know the the price of a book, the price of new shoes, so that they start realizing that if they earn $5 on an allowance or because they did a project around the house, well, they have to do that, you know, maybe six times before they can get those new shoes. You know, one of the things, as you're saying that, reminds me, every year at the end of the year, and I know many companies do this, we make a list for every employee of every benefit, what their mm-hmm. salary was, how many their off days, sick, the whole year for them in a glance. Could you imagine what your kids would think if they saw their life a year in advance? <laughs> <laughs> of what, of what you, maybe we should start doing for our family. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because they... It seems like a lot of kids, that's never enough, and they, they don't actually know where the money comes from. Right. And I know um, one of my clients took his daughter to um, look at cars, and he went into, I don't know what it was, like a hundred and some thousand dollar car, and he said, this is your college education. Oh. <laughs> wow. Or you could have four cars for this much money or six cars for this much money, and she got it. Yep. She got it that this was a big investment. Right, right. And so helping our kids to understand, because you're right, like you said before, it's credit cards. I mean, work, I mean, I once worked for ca- with cash, and I think I took out like $200 and put it in my purse and thought, well, this will last me. It was gone <laughs> like in four days. And I sat back, well, I got a pedicure and a manicure, and I had lunch with my girlfriends, and I filled up my tank of gas, and I mm-hmm. went to the, it was gone. Right. We don't work in cash. My mom had cash when she went to the grocery store. My dad yep. gave her 
whatever it was, yeah. and she would have a holdout. So where the kids sat, she would put things that if she had enough money, when it was all totaled up, she couldn't add in. Ah, yep. Who does that now? We don't. We just charge no. it. Right. We had layaway back then, and we used to count pennies to go to McDonald's. I remember doing that, putting in penny rolls. So yeah. <laughs> things have changed. Things have changed. Well, and thank you. This was absolutely <laughs> marvelous. It's so much fun, especially when you start thinking that we're helping people build their own business mm-hmm. and their own paycheck in the future. So it's very, very exciting. My guest today is Ann Mink. She is a um, wealth advisor for the Ellen Becker Investment Group. As I said, you can go to ellenbecker.com. You can get a copy of the show today and take a look at us and our company. And as always, I hope that I've made a difference in your personal and your financial well-being. Remember, before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always listen. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye.